Hi, I'm Haley Victoria and welcome to the first of my podcasts all about policing in the UK and across the world. You might have seen me on YouTube as Haley Victoria Crime and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, maybe even a little bit of TikTok. I like to get around a bit. Okay, that sounds wrong. What we're going to do anyway is discuss the things I talk about on YouTube, but so you can listen to it when you're in the car, in the shower or wherever else you feel like listening to a little bit of criminology and policing. I've been um, asked by a few of you to create this podcast, so I hope you do tune in and it helps in your training. And if not, um, I just send you to sleep. Either way, I'm happy to be of service. So I'm going to kick off from the beginning, right in the beginning of modern day policing. And I say modern day policing, I'm talking about the 1800s here. And of course, there's no better place to start than with Sir Robert Peel. So Robert Peel is the granddaddy of policing, known as the father of modern policing, because he created this new Metropolitan Police Service. Um, yeah, so he founded the, the Met down in London. They have some pretty peculiar laws that are still active down the Met. Um, and we'll get to that in a different podcast. But yeah, well done, Sir Robert Peel. And coincidentally, that is why sometimes police officers are known as peelers, because obviously they are part of Robert Peel's little um, family. Okay, so Robert Peel was a politician. Surprised so becoming the granddaddy of policing, he was a politician. It's part of the Conservative Party. In fact, uh, one of the founders of the modern Conservative Party. The Conservative Party has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, but is one of the founders of the modern Conservative Party that we know now. He was born into like a wealthy family, the first Prime Minister from an industrial business background because his family were textile manufacturers. Um, pretty clever as well, he got a double first at uni and he was entered into the House of Commons in the early 1800s. So yeah, this guy knew his stuff and he was like a bit of a one to watch for the Tory party. He became Home Secretary and he was like, you know what, we need to reform this and liberalise criminal law because what's happening now, it ain't really working. And that's how he became the um, the father of policing. So you might, if you can, you know where Peelers comes from now. So his name's Robert Peel, right? There's also another slang name that police officers get called in the UK, which is Bobbies. And that's also where they get that from because Robert, Bob, Bobbies. Peel, peelers. So how much of a legacy is that? You know, maybe one day there'll be somebody named after you guys if you make a big splash in policing. And I really do hope so. Okay, yeah, so in 1829, he came up with these things called the Peelian Principles. And the Peelian Principles underpin everything in relation to policing, um, all the way from those days to where it is now. Like, this guy, he made sense back in the 1800s and now. So that's just testament to how clued up he really was about policing. He was prime minister twice in his life, which is a pretty good achievement. Um, so yeah, that's something you can take home with you there. What we're gonna do now though, is look at these Peelian principles. Hopefully they won't be um, too outlandish that you think, oh, I don't agree with that because you know, like I said, they're still actually relevant now. And one of them in particular 
I'm really keen on, which is number nine of nine, because there are nine of them. And obviously I'll get down to that one when I get through the rest. So the Pelian principles were kind of like the oldie timey code of ethics and rules that police officers abide to. It's kind of like why we're here. A little bit like vision planning that you might do in business and stuff now. And like I said, there are nine of them and they are kind of like timeless in their nature. And they still are relevant. And the first one is to prevent crime and disorder as an alternative to their repression by military force and severity of legal punishment. So we're straight in with crime prevention. And we're still huge on that in the police today. So, you know, evidence-based policing is really important. That's where you're looking at um, research and crime streams and you get a problem area, you'd be like, oh, why is there so much antisocial behavior in Barnsley? And what can we do to fix it? You'll put like a, an intervention in, you'll test something, you'll reflect on it, you'll look at the lessons you've learned and then you'll adapt it maybe if, if there's something you need to change. And so already back in 1829, we're looking at crime prevention and we're still really hot on that today. So, you know, preventing crime is much better than us having to police the crime because if there's no crime, there's no victims. And that's better, right? Number two is to recognise always that the power of the police to fulfil their functions, Andrew, is, is dependent on public approval of their existence, actions and behaviour, and on their ability to secure and maintain public respect. So how important is that? Dependent on public approval. It's like, remember that, you know, you are the public and the public are you. You're a police officer. You're a member of society. Just because you have this uniform on um, and you have this power given to you, you've attested, you've been given that to look after people as a representative of this community. So, you know, they're the ones who are letting you do this. To recognise always, this is number three, to recognise always that to secure and maintain the respect and approval of the public means also the securing of the willing cooperation of the public in the task of securing observance of laws. So we're doing it with the public. It's all about policing by consent. We are not going in there as some kind of military force and to, you know, oppress people. This is something as a community we've agreed to in this society to make sure that we're safe and we're trusting you guys to help us do that. To recognise always, this is number four, that the extent to which the cooperation of the public can be secured diminishes proportionately the necessity of the use of physical force and compulsion for achieving police objectives, right? Always try not to use force. The best use of force is none. That is as simple as it is. And if you do need to use force, use it as minimal as possible in order to restore that peace or do what you need to do to ensure that everybody is safe, secure, and you know, you are looking after things lawfully. Number five, to seek and preserve public favor, not by pandering to public opinion, but by constantly demonstrating absolutely impartial service to the law in complete independence of policy and without regard to the justice or injustice of the substance of individual laws. By ready offering of individual service and friendship to all members of the public, 
without regard to their wealth or social standing, by ready exercise of courtesy and friendly good humour, and by ready offering of individual sacrifice in protecting and preserving life. It doesn't matter whether somebody is mega rich. It doesn't matter if somebody is on the streets. We should treat everybody, absolutely everybody, with the full service, friendship, courtesy and respect that we treat everybody. It needs to be consistent across the board. And you've got to always, always, always be, you know, lawful in your actions. You can't be, whether or not you're at work, when you accept that role as a police officer, you are trusted by society to do the right thing. And if you're thinking, oh, I can do the right thing with like 75% of the time, it's not the job for you. Okay, number six, we're back to force now. To use physical force only when the exercise of persuasion, advice and warning is found to be insufficient to obtain public cooperation to an extent necessary to secure observance of law or to restore order and to use only the minimum degree of physical force which is necessary on any particular occasion for achieving a police objective. We spoke about that earlier, right? If you have to use force, use as little as possible. And there's a mnemonic that we still use today in police training called PAW, which is persuade, advice, and warn. So after you've tried to persuade somebody to not do what they're doing, which is naughty, and you've advised them saying, look, honestly, I'd advise you not to do that because you're going to end up having to come with me or, you know, this is what the repercussions of your actions are going to be. Then lastly, you're warning, right? I'm warning you now. I've tried to persuade you. I'd advised you about this. And now I'm warning you, if you carry on, it's going to mean, you know, either we have to go and arrest you. We have to give you a, a fixed penalty notice. Whatever disposal method it is, you have to use your paw. Persuade, advise and warn. And how crazy is it that that was written in 1829 and we're still using it now in 2022 or whenever it is you're listening to this. Okay, number seven. To maintain at all times a relationship with the public that gives reality to the historic tradition that the police are the public and the public are the police. The police being only members of the public who are paid to give full-time attention to duties which are incumbent on every citizen in the interest of community welfare and existence. I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? As a community, you are entered into this social contract on the day you are born. You don't sign anything. There's no 15-day cooling off period. You are part of this social contract. And as such, we've got a duty to look after each other and to make sure people don't get hurt, right? And as a police officer, you are put in a position where we pay you to do that. You're given, you know, quite a decent wage to make sure that our streets are safe, especially when you get the overtime. Number eight, to recognise always the need for strict adherence to police executive functions and to refrain from even seeming to usurp the powers of the judiciary on avenging individuals or the state and of authoritatively judging guilt and punishing the guilty. Okay, this means you just need to concentrate on your job, which is being a police officer. It's not your job to decide who is guilty and who is not. That goes to the courts. You are um, a collector of information. You are looking for the truth. You gather the evidence and then somebody else decides whether things are guilty or not. 
what you don't do is try and um you know take personal umbrage to things you're acting as a body a policing body and yes if you've got some issues or something you definitely raise them but by and large you're part of a force part of a service that all works together like a massive clock and if you all work together with the same goals in mind which is you know looking after the communities preserving life protecting property and keeping our streets and communities safe then that clock is going to keep on ticking and number nine last but not least my favorite of all the Pelian principles and yes i do have a favorite Pelian principles that's the level of nerd i actually am number nine to recognize always that the test of police efficiency is the absence of crime and disorder and not the visible evidence of police action in dealing with them. Ooh, so that might be a little bit contentious. You hear a lot in the newspapers like, I've not seen a Bobby on my streets for four weeks. I've not seen a police officer in the town centre for however long. And that's not a bad thing. That means that those resources are being matched to demand elsewhere. And that if that is what's happening, it means that they're doing a great job in the areas where you don't see them. The absence of crime and disorder means the police doing an amazing job. And if you see police officers walking about, locking people up everywhere and just disorder everywhere, that's not a good sign of policing. The best sign of policing is that it's safe where you live, you feel comfortable, there's a reduction in crime, and that yeah we get great feedback from members of the public so that's the Pelian principles and they are so relevant in policing today it's always nice to remember that the police are you and you are the police even if you are not a police officer so I appreciate some of you might be police officers so obviously you are the police the police are the community and the community are the police we work together to keep our streets and our communities safe. That's it for the Pelian Principles. I hope you've enjoyed this first of hopefully many of my podcasts. Um, yeah, stay safe, look after yourselves, look after each other, and please don't commit any crimes.